This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, what's up? Nothing much. I'm recording a podcast. How about you? Yeah, I'm recording a podcast. Wow, and, what's and a, what a coincidence. Eating a Nutri-Grain bar. Ooh. Yeah. I like Nutri-Grain bars. Okay. This episode is not brought to you by Nutrigrain Bars. No. Unless they want to sponsor us, in which case, bring it on. Yeah. Kellogg's, you want to get in on this? That's, uh... You know you want to. <laughs> do it. Just do it. As long as we get to have our own breakfast bar. Yeah. The standard orbit bar. Yeah. Start your day off the Kirk way. There you go. With a, with a double-fisted chop to the back. <laughs> that sounds painful. Oh, hold on. A couple weeks ago, you sent me pictures of the greatest action figures that will ever exist. Yes. We could talk about that for a second. Yeah. Reaction, which are the guys who, I think they got their start because they got the molds from those three and three quarter inch alien figures that yes. Kenner was going to do. You know, they made those very popular. So then they were like, well, we could just make our own versions of every movie like this they're it's, they're owned by funko right yeah so they have done you know firefly rocketeer I, i've got a snake pliskin up there and now they're doing star trek it's so great and the four which have been officially announced for release are spock sulu uhura and bones which is kind of a weird collection. Yeah. But at Toy Fair, they also had pictures of Kirk. Um, I think there was an Orion slave girl. Yeah. And most importantly, a Gorn. I'm so excited. I, yeah. I'm now, so... I've, I've wanted all of these forever, even for the things that I haven't seen. Uh, I have an alien, but now I have to, I mean, I'll probably get all of them, but I really need that Gorn. Yeah, me too. And you can have, like, Luke Skywalker fight a Gorn. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, man. Uh, I also uh, I also saw that they're, in their little catalog thing, uh, they're making Jaws figures. Oh, really? So it's got, it's got Hooper and Brody and Quint and the shark. It's a giant oversized figure of oh, the shark. Oh, I was hoping yes. it would be a three and three quarter inch shark. <laughs> No, I think it's big enough to shove three and three quarter inch things in it. Oh. Like the Jabba the Hutt figure. Yeah, yeah. Or the Rancor that could almost eat your figures. That's cool. Yeah. I saw they're also doing Terminator 2. That's pretty sweet. Oh, that'll be great. And, because uh, they can do like a hundred different variations. Like the Predator. They've got a Predator with its mask on and its yeah. mask off and its mouth open. It's like for Terminator, they can have a T-1000, a shiny T-1000, a damaged T-1000, yeah. an unshiny damaged T-1000, a puddle. Yep. 
They've got Pulp Fiction. They've got all sorts of figures. And they're, it, they're awesome. it, one of the Pulp Fiction figures uh, that I saw at Dragon Con was, uh, like, the inside of it was blood splattered even. Like, oh, the really? inside of the bubble casing. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Oh, oh. I need them all. But yeah, the, the Star Trek ones I'm excited about. No Kirk, which is very strange, but... Uh, He'll be in the Maybe second they later. couldn't get his, his face or hair right. Yeah. Shatner, I'm not going to sign these figures if you don't make them perfect. Right. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. Take that gut out of that figure. <laughs> the figure's got a little gut. Removable hair piece. That's its, its action. <laughs> Put that back. Uh, but we're not going to talk about figures this whole episode. Though I could. Yes. Forever. Uh, we're actually going to finally get to our pitches. Uh, we mentioned uh, that how easy it would be to write a pitch for the next Star Trek movie, and people didn't need to worry that there wasn't a writer attached. But now we have a writer, we have a director, we have all this. So uh, we finally decided that we would go through uh, what we would pitch for for this next movie, and if it's different, what we think they'll actually make. I don't think we said how easy it would be. I think we said that everyone has an idea. Yes. So it'd be easy for them to find a good one. But not necessarily us. Right. I don't want to be <laughs> like, I got this. I got this. I figured out exactly what Star Trek Three should be. And then pitch my idea and have everyone say, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> because I'm not good at that thing. Yeah, neither am I. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, uh, my pitch... Uh, I, I thought about this for a while. I thought pretty long and hard. And I think what I want out of Star Trek Three is is everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are complaining that the, the first two are just, you know, mindless action and, uh, you know, just ridiculous. But uh, as much as I may agree or disagree or or uh, with, with that, I, I feel like maybe the third movie could be uh, a step in a slower direction something uh something that that continues the story without without hurting what came before and maybe making it a bit more cerebral and what i came up with was a private little war okay. like as as everything that i can think about uh you know cuz i was like well you know i want i wanted to be like you know really dealing with the prime directive first everything that i was pitching to myself was basically the opening of Into Darkness. Mm -hmm. I was like, they come across a planet, and there's all this debate about... like, So I kind of want Star Trek Three to just be a prequel to Into Darkness, yeah. just leading up to all the decisions that, that have them save that culture. But uh, that would be kind of weird. So, But the, the more that I came up with ideas, the more that I just settled on, okay, I'd want it to be a planet in between the Klingon and Federation who aren't really at war, but they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, the Klingons are trying to spark it. And the, and the Federation now that Marcus isn't in control is trying to, trying to uh, stop it. But, you know, it turns out that the Klingons are uh, manipulating the culture in some way. And Kirk and them still can't break the prime directive, but need to uh, influence the culture to go the other way and eventually I realized that it's just a private little war and it doesn't have the big uh, explosions 
It has explosions, though. It doesn't have, like, the, the big battles or the marching armies or all the things that you would expect. But uh, uh, it, it's more of a quieter, more contemplative uh, turn for the series. And and I think it'd be very good for the, the JJ verse to take a step back and to, to have a nice slow thing. But then the more that I thought about it, the more uh, I could see people complaining about it like you would, like I do Insurrection. Because mm-hmm. I complain that Insurrection takes too far a step back and is more of an ep- should have been an episode of the series. Yeah. And probably was an episode of the series. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think if we're not going to get a series in this universe, maybe a movie uh that that takes this step back could be what we need for people to be like oh we can make good ideas we can keep good things in this universe but uh i don't think that's gonna happen because i i'm afraid that uh, it's gonna be like a 50th anniversary movie and it's just gonna be like skyfall but really bad Okay, all right, and that that's my that's my little pitch. Okay, that's that's solid. I like the idea of there being a conflict with the Klingons, you know, and private little war seems to be a good uh, Klingon story, you know, and uh, that's something that could be adapted in in a satisfying way. I'm not sure that they would. I mean, obviously, this is what we want, not what we're gonna get or whatever. Right. But I'm not sure that they would have hired the director of. Uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise, if they were looking for smaller, yeah, I know. But uh, that's you know. But this was this was my pitch for right. when everything was falling apart. Exactly. Okay. Well, for me, you know, I, I guess I don't have so much of a defined story. But the first thing that I thought of was things that I want to see in this movie. You know, for one thing, I I do think that it will be, and I do think that it should be, sort of um, the end of this story, you know, mm-hmm. not to say that they won't go on more adventures or whatever, but I do think that, that this should be the conclusion to a trilogy. And because I don't think that they're going to make any more with this crew, realistically speaking, not because they don't want to, or not because they shouldn't, but because all these people are big movie stars now, and they're going to be out of their contract. And after all the difficulties that went in putting this, new one together i don't think that there's going to be a lot of those people who are going to want to stick around for a fourth you know Mm -hmm. it needs to be the end in some way or another uh there's a few other things that i want to see in it one i really think that because of the way that the other two are sort of designed and and um um the stuff that's going on in in that i i really do think that they need to uh have the klingons in it have the the Klingon conflict come to a head, you know? Mm-hmm. I also think that they should set up the new series, whatever that may be, whenever that may happen. Because, I mean, as everyone's saying, that is the next logical step for Star Trek, especially if all of these people are going to be, you know, not making movies anymore. You put it back on the small screen, you let the series play out, and then you launch new movies with those people, you know? Mm-hmm. That just seems to be the way to do it. So you've got to set up that new series as well, as I see it. 
So kind of putting all of these things together, what I came up with was basically Undiscovered Country. Oh. It's going to be different, obviously, because they're not in the twilight of their careers or anything like that. They're still young. But, yeah, I think the first thing that I would do is set this movie at the end of the five-year mission. Skip ahead five years, you know, kind of like Dark Knight or whatever, and then Mm -hmm. say, okay, we've had all these adventures, blah, 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 and now... We're at the end. We're about to go home, you know, and it's been, a, you know, a fun time was had by all. And then the thing that you could do, which I think would be pretty cool, is you could also have a second series, which you spin off, which is an animated series featuring the original series crew and the Enterprise where you see what happened on their five-year mission. And mm-hmm. very much like Clone Wars. And then you don't have to worry about necessarily getting everyone back you know to 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 do their thing you can get voice actors to voice the parts you can get well i guess chris doing to just do it all and (laughs) um then you can have those adventures with the enterprise and everything which everyone wants which everyone i think is afraid of not having these days you know Mm mm-hmm so that that seems like a perfect thing right there, okay? And and instead of saying like, oh yeah, they're a little bit further along on their five year mission, say like they're at the end of their five year mission, and then that puts them in deep space, and you know they have this this conflict with the Klingons. You've got what would it be, Captain Chang instead of General Chang, <laughs> you know, and and like a young a young Kirk and a young Chang going head to head. That seems like a really good thing, and. The other thing that I think you have, which is cool, is you finally get to see the conflict with the Klingons, but you don't fall into the trap, which you might be tempted to fall into with saying like, and now we're at war. And you know, this is what it was all leading up to. We're at war. You can say like, we're on the brink of war and now we're going to defuse the situation, you know? So you Mm -hmm. still do get the conflict with the Klingons, but you don't end the series by placing the Federation into a war. And then that kind of does help to put a bow on the series and that there's been this threat of a conflict with the Klingons for so long. And now like the crowning achievement of their career is they stopped the war. They stopped the war from actually happening. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that that's kind of a nice ending to their story. And then you could also say, well, it's the end of the five-year mission, but that's not to say that we might go on more adventures or, or whatever. You know, we're going back to Earth for some downtime, but, you know, we look forward to the next mission or whatever. Yeah. And then also, of course, what needs to happen over the course of this this movie is, you know, Sulu needs to get command of the Excelsior in some way or another. Mm-hmm. so that he can then go off on his own adventures, which will be the premise for the new series, uh, which seems simple enough to do, especially if it's, you know, Undiscovered Country or a version yeah. of that story. Because you could put, you could leave Sulu in command of the Enterprise for portions of the movie. Yeah. You know, really proving himself. Right. Or maybe, maybe like the Excelsior comes in 
and, you know, their captain is killed or whatever, and Sulu needs to beam over, and then, you know, in the end conflict, Sulu is commanding the Excelsior and, you know, whatever. You know, I mean, hmm. you could do any number of things, you know. Yeah, that could work. Like that. So that's that's pretty much what, what my pitch would be. I really like it. It, it could be cool. I mean, and it, and it would have the action beats. I think that would be required for a. Oh yeah, for sure. For a modern movie. Yeah, and you know, it just seems. I don't know. I mean, considering the fact that Star Trek Six is like one of the best things ever, you know, mm-hmm. it seems sense to to go after that. It seems if you're gonna to if you're sense. gonna if you're gonna have a movie like two thousand nine and then have a Star Trek two. Yeah. Uh the next logical conclusion would be Star Trek 6. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Or Star Trek 4. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Which is what I'm aff- <laughs> Which I... I'm kind of afraid they'll go with. Yeah, you know, there there was recently a debate going on on the uh the Babel conference about the Star Trek trilogy mm-hmm. of movies, which is 2, 3 and 4, and whether or not that's actually a trilogy. I bought it in a box, said Trilogy on it. Oh, well, then there you go. It must be a real trilogy. But it's like everyone seems to be in agreement that, like, yeah, it's a trilogy. And I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) Whatsoever. They're all contradicting each other left and right in terms of their, like, you know, philosophies and stuff. The tone is just, like, all over the map. It doesn't make any sense as a trilogy. I think that's just people reacting to like, oh, wait a minute. They said something about something that happened in that last episode. It's still one mission, though. No, it's not. They complete their mission in Star Trek 2. And then in Star Trek 3, they're like, oh, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. All that stuff that we told you was just a bunch of, um, can I say bullshit? <laughs> And and uh, now we're going to just undo everything that you loved about that second movie. It totally Alien 3 is the second movie. And then, you know, the the fourth movie, they're just like, well, we need to get them back home somehow. Um, let's call this the voyage home and have them, <laughs> you know, mess with some whales or whatever. But like the main thrust of that fourth one has nothing to do with the other elements in the trilogy. It's yeah. really just them coming home and being put on trial. And then they're like, well, you know, you did us a solid, so we're we're just not going to put you on trial. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, do you think it's a trilogy? No, but they're boxed together. Okay. Well, then back <laughs> me up. Come on, because I'm out there and everyone's no, no, no. like, I'm you're not, wrong. I'm not as... I'm, I'm more the middle ground. Okay. I... I, I I, I could see it as three parts, three weird parts to a different story. But yeah, I see what you mean with the two and three. I mean, but, but that's like calling Alien, the three Alien movies, not a trilogy. They're not a trilogy. They get packaged together. Well, good for they're them. The Alien trilogy. You know, good for little Alien 3, you know, jumping on the backs of, of two masterpieces. And it's not even about the quality. And it's not even about them being weird. Like, if you did the third movie and it was a balls-to-the-wall commentary, which apparently is a reference to flying, by the way, I had no idea. 
that that's what it is, but ball, no. balls to the wall, it refers to pulling back on the ball on the throttle. Oh. So like the balls are to the wall. So you can like, say, oh. like pedal to the metal. Exactly. I did not know that. So you can totally say balls to the wall to like your grandma. <laughs> and it's not at all dirty. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you could do a balls to the wall comedy and make it, you know, the third part of a trilogy that starts off with like Star Trek 2 or whatever. And that's perfectly fine. If it weren't for the fact that like everything in like these other movies like contradicts it tonally and stuff. Hold on. The Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, that's a trilogy. That's for for sure a trilogy. What? Because it's like variations on a theme. You know? Okay. Which is fine. You know, that's that's absolutely perfectly fine. But like like the Star Wars trilogies, yes, that, that's a trilogy. And now, now we might get a trilogy of trilogies, which is kind of cool. You know, whatever. But like Alien and Aliens, okay? You can say that those are things because Aliens looks at what Alien did and made a variation on that. Alien 3 is just this thing that hangs off the end <laughs> and completely ignores what happened, what really happened in those other two movies and throws it out the freaking window, just like Star Trek 3. Hmm. So those are not trilogies, you know? They're not. It's not a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's a complete story... A story which messes up the first story that we did, and then another story which is has nothing to do with the first two, and then kind of wraps up some stuff that was left over from the first two. That's what the the Star Trek trilogy is. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Okay. I I will I will work on redefining my my definition of a trilogy. If there's a Star Trek trilogy out there, I would almost say it would be one, two, and six. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> whatever right. you say, Mike. I'm not, hey, it's not no no. This is open <laughs> for for debate. If you disagree with me, you know, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So do you have any idea what you think that they're actually going to do? Well, at this point, who knows? Because they've gone through so many people and everything that we've heard might, you know. But, I mean, I think due to the nature of the business, it, it does have to be smaller in a sense because they don't have enough money to do something okay. bigger, you know. Um, I think, you know, originally what they were talking about with it being in deep space or whatever – that seems to make sense. It seems to make sense to get them away from Earth. I don't know whether or not they're going to do that, or maybe they chickened out. But the idea of them being in deep space and you know having a few years out there under their belt is cool. I think in some way or another they do have to deal with the Klingons. It just seems to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it was leading up to. Those are the big villains. It seems to, to be weird to go out without really dealing with the Klingons. But I mean beyond that, I don't know. I mean what do you think? I'm I'm afraid that it's going to be the fiftieth movie. The fiftieth anniversary movie, not necessarily the end to a trilogy 
or you know the third part to this story i i'm afraid that it's going to be kind of like i mean we've had a lot of 50th anniversaries in the last few years uh we had uh james bond we had skyfall where the the references to the past are subtle you know he's got his uh he's got his car from goldfinger with all of its stuff and and it's it's more of a uh still a darker story that that still takes place in the the rebooted universe and then we get stuff like uh day of the doctor for doctor who and we get uh you know here's here's a, a convoluted well of course it's doctor who it's going to have a convoluted time travel story but uh you know there's a lot of references to the original there's uh this is what i'm afraid of in day of the doctor uh the the 10th and 11 doctors team up but toward the end the then current 11th doctor is is sitting in a museum and the guy who played one of the original doctors comes up and he's old there's no reason for that actor to be there it's he implies that he's actually the doctor who uh regenerates into an old form of his and then retires and and it's kind of that that part while heartwarming kind of takes you out of the story because it, it asks more questions than it answers uh well it's really great to see tom baker but that's what i'm afraid that that this movie is going to be especially if if peg and and june run with the uh with the the bringing Shatner back. I mean, I guess that's always a danger. But then again, like if you look at Skyfall, like I think that that was done so well, you know, and there's no reason why you can't do something like that. You know, that's what I would hope for at any rate. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it's more it's more Skyfall than Day of the Doctor. But yeah, that's that that's that's my thing. Is that that I'm afraid that it's going to be too pandering. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think that Peg will go for that. I I think that he's he's smarter than that. But but I'm afraid that P- Paramount may be wanting him to, you know, pressuring. Maybe Paramount is is driving storylines because they seem to be rather pokey yeah. and manipulative recently. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah. When does it come out again? July 8th, I think, 2016. Sometime in July 2016. So, well, I guess we'll find out then. Or before then, if if they, uh, they're a little more leaky than J.J. allows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. It's one of the movies I'm looking forward to most. Out of all movies these days, that and my Magic Mike Double XL. <laughs> but seriously, I can't wait for Magic Mike Double XL. <laughs> oh, well, it was fun talking about trilogies and pitching and uh, Magic Mike. But that's just uh, of some of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. 
it's not an overstatement. And you had said in your introduction that without without him and his hand guiding all of this, then then it's unlikely that two would have been what it was. And if it had not been successful, then it, it you know it probably would have meant the end of Star Trek at that point. Earl Grey. Like I'm expecting Ricardo Martaban to like walk around the corner and be like, Captain Picard, welcome. This is Rise of Five. The shuttlecraft. The shuttlecraft. The orb. Curzon is involved with the Kittimer Accords. Spock is at Kittimer when those are being talked about. So you would think they would have run into each other. They probably hung out in the bar together. To the journey! One guy's like, why don't we just write better stories for Wesley? And then the lead writer's like, you out now! (laughs) The ready room. The movie series would not have relaunched and, and become what it was if not for the amazing bounce of... The Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan was to Star Trek the same thing that uh, The Best of Both Worlds was to Next Generation. Commentary, Trek stars. It's also the end of a character and a thing that is really about how uh, death is just a part of life. And that while there's an end, it doesn't mean that it's the end. Literary Treks. Well, I've always liked the... Uh, I like that episode for... I mean, it's one of the most derided of the of the original series episodes, but yet I always it has a place in my heart for some reason. I've always enjoyed watching mm-hmm. it over. So um, I wanted to do something with those guys, the Scalbians. The Six O Two Club. Like I, I could kind of dismiss Droids in Distress and Fight or Flight and everything like that, and I was just kind of watching the background. But all of a sudden, I started catching myself, like stopping working and, <laughs> and just focusing on watching. And, uh, and so it just got better and better and better. And I think I was hooked by episode four, Breaking Ranks. That's when I was like, okay, I like this show. This is good. Warp five. In the history of Axanar, Alec Peters and Christian Gossett wrote a section of the history dealing with the Arcanus campaign. And in the Arcanus campaign, a majority of Starfleet ships were destroyed. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. You can visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Uh, if you want to contact us, share your pitches for Star Trek 13, you can go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Well, you can find me right here on Trek.fm doing commentary Trek Stars with John and Max. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do Commentary Trackstars off-topic, where a lot of our episodes are kind of like this one, in which we start talking about something else, which, you know, <laughs> strikes our fancy. And hey, you never know where that conversation is going to lead. So uh, go over there, CommentaryTrackStars.com, and uh, listen to Off-Topic. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and on various places around the internet under that same name. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. 
Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of those famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive Federation and Not Spock's others. World. Not Spock's World, as we established a couple weeks ago. Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone this week? I have Star Trek Dark Victory, which was written and narrated by William Shatner. It's three hours long. It says, from the nightmarish landscape of the mirror universe Earth to the joys of impending parenthood and marriage to the women, woman sorry, he loves, James T. Kirk is propelled into his most personal and dangerous mission yet as he fights to uncover the secret of Emperor Tiberius's return and learn the terrible truth behind the madman's real plans for the Federation. And you can get this book for free since you listen to audible.com what what <laughs> you said we could get this book for free because you listen to audible.com oh i'm sorry <laughs> or trek fm well why aren't you listening to audible.com i should i listen to audible.com i got my my subscription for free by going to audibletrial.com slash trek fm and uh signing up that that's right as <laughs> a trek fm listener you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great audible is so give it a try today catch up on all those classic star trek books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well just go to audibletrial.com slash trek fm and sign up today again that's audibletrial.com slash trek fm and we thank audible for supporting standard orbit and trek fm We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer this month. You can find him on Twitter at RUT8972, and we're really appreciating him supporting us on the Patreons. Speaking of which, uh, there's another way that you can support us besides Audible, and that's by being like Richard and supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, You'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer like Richard. You can also, on the page, find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Well, that was a fun conversation. Yeah, it was. I'm. You've changed my opinion on trilogies now i don't know what to do with my dvd shelf though i already only own alien and aliens so we we don't need to worry about that there you go you just put them all in alphabetical order and just let them let them play out that way (laughs) you know and then you start seeing like interesting juxtapositions of movies that you may not otherwise see like uh um oh for example here we have um, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, followed uh-huh. by Singing in the Rain. That's interesting, <laughs> you know? Or, oh, oh, here's a trilogy which I would watch, right? Natural Born Killers, Neighbors, and Night of the Living Dead. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to reconsider everything. Cool. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.